Hello, I'm Rabbi Iggy, and welcome to Tattoo the Torah. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tattoos and Torah. I'm Rabbi Iggy out of the Chuva Center. Thank you for joining us. So today, as we are about to start on Monday, this coming Monday, a uh, new program for us at Chuva Center, which is a daily daven about prayer. I wanted to spend a little time talking about prayer, especially from somebody like me, who, if you listen to this podcast, you know how I feel about God and God's presence in the world. So you may ask yourself, what does prayer mean for somebody like me or for people like me? So when we talk about prayer, often when it comes up, I think about a story that I heard uh, when I was very young at uh, yeshiva, when I was growing up in the ultra-Orthodox world. And this is a Hasidic story. And in this story that is told about the Baal Shem Tov, I was told that we learned that the Baal Shem Tov would pray, especially in the high holidays, with great intention, with great affirmation of faith. Suddenly he saw through a vision or a dream in the Holy Spirit of Judaism that there is a person in a different city that prays with greater intention than his, with more piousness than his. Curious, of course, the Baal Shem Tov goes to this town. He finds this person, this, this Jew, and asks him, do you study a lot of Torah? And the Jew says, no. Do you know how to pray? Uh, the Baal Shem Tov asks him, and the person says, no. So the Baal Shem Tov perplexed, says, so what did you do in the high holy days? And the person says, Rabbi, I don't even know the entire Aleph Bet. I only know the first 10 from Aleph to Yud. So when I came to the synagogue, and I saw all these people standing there and praying and with great intent and great faith and in a lot of sound. I, who does not know anything, felt really sorry for myself. So I decided to say the letters that I know. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalid, Hey, Vav, Zain, Chet, Tet, and Yud. And then I said, God. Please, compose from these letters that I just told words and sentences of prayer and accept them with love. And I would repeat this over and over and over again. And the story says that this prayer, this simple prayer by this illiterate Jew has influenced God in the story even more than the prayer of the pious Baal Shem Tov. This story has stuck with me. And in many ways, it identifies till this day the strength of prayer, not of how it's heard, but how it's offered. Our prayers uh, in Judaism are traditionally representing the sacrifices that we had at the temple the morning sacrifice, the midday sacrifice, the evening sacrifice, and on some days, the extra sacrifice, the Musaf. So these prayers, and indeed what they've come to inspire, 
we learn from the prophet Hosea um, 14.3, who says, Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, Forgive all guilt and accept what is good. Instead of bulls, we will pay the offerings with our lips. The words that we offer stand for the sacrifice that we gave at the temple. The words that we offer are the sacrifice we give with intention, with space, to God. That is the traditional way of how we see in Judaism the relationship between the prayers that we offer now, like I said, the morning shacharit, the midday mincha, and the evening arvit, as standing for these offerings. Of course, since the temple got destroyed, we cannot do anymore. And yet, there is also a different voice in our tradition. We also know that from our prophets that what they say about these sacrifices and perhaps even about those prayers later on is quite amazing and quite radical. Isaiah says, Lama li rov zivrechem yomar Adonai savati olot elim vechelev meriim vedam parim bekvresim vatudim lo chafatzti. What need have I of all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I'm sated with burnt offerings of rams and suet of fatlings and blood of bulls. And I have no delight in lambs and he goats. Also, it says, That you come to appear before me? Who asked that of you? Tramping my courts. In many ways, right? You can relate to that. God says, I'm God. I don't need this. You think I need this? I'm God. Do you really think I need these, these offerings of yours? I don't need them. And that is pretty radical because there is a certain rejection of that. So if God doesn't need it, and if we keep offering them, why? Why do we do this? Right? There's even a, a different example where he says, For I desire goodness, not sacrifice. Obedience to God rather than burnt offering. Also from Prophet Hosea. So why do we pray? And for what or to whom? So much has been written about the existence of God. There is a God, there isn't a God. What is God? So forth and so on. You all know by now, right? I don't think God cares. Therefore, I must. And in many ways, prayers because it is directed at divinity, at God, it has been intertwined with that question. But in truth, I find it is not dependent on it. Why pray? Well, because as humans, I think we feel the need to. There's something in us that needs to, that makes it beneficial for us. See, the words have different meanings, theologically or otherwise. But I think we need to focus on our own need to contemplate, pray, meditate, chant, etc. In fact, the object of it may not be important at all. In shifting my point of view of looking at prayer from the standing before the Creator to standing in front of myself, 
perhaps even that the image of God is just the reflection of me, then my power to assess, change, and express the learning and gratitude from it, it always points out to the agency and my sovereignty. When I'm able to acknowledge that perhaps prayer is something that I need for my own sake, it doesn't matter who it is directed at. Or if it matters, it's directed at a reflection of me, which we, as we know, we are a reflection of God, that we have been made in God's image. So in that sense, the divinity in the universe, whether it is hearing or not, doesn't matter because prayer becomes about me and how I can grow and learn from it in front of the sovereignty that is in front of me, which is also a reflection of an aspect of me. This doesn't mean that I'm putting myself always at the center of everything. In fact, this is a deep feeling of surrender, which we'll talk about in a few. But accepting the fact that perhaps the need to pray doesn't come as exaltation to something else, but is something that can help me grow by this surrender, in fact, is perhaps why I deeply believe in prayer, even though I don't think that the divinity in this universe hears it or even cares about it and perhaps doesn't even want it. So today, if you're listening to it, uh, it's Lunar New Year. So to our brothers and sisters and non-binary people in Asia and around the world who celebrate it, I wish you a meaningful and joyous holiday, of course. I do hope that this Lunar New Year the year of the ox brings us many, many blessings. And it is in Buddhism that we learn about the karmic cycle, karma. The intentions and the actions we put out in the world affects us back. In Judaism, this connection is illustrated in our own interwovenness. We call it many different names. One of the examples is Kol Israel Arevim Zebazeh, all of Israel, all of the people. Um, all of the people in the land are intertwined with one another, are responsible for one another. And in that context, our prayers, if you will, are what we put out into the universe. And it, in return, can offer the answers or can offer the insight and the wisdom. I've often said that I think the universe, this karmic cycle, or if you believe in God or God of our own understanding, when we do port out this question or this anticipation or this expression of the self, when we ask for something or when we give thanks for something, when we pray for something, has really only three answers for us. Like a cosmic eight ball, it will respond in one of those ways. It will say yes, or it will say not now, or it will say there's something better coming for you. What we experience in this life is a response to the goals that we set, the authentic wishes of our heart. So many times we pray or want things that we think we need or will make us happy. We, of course, fail to choose our happiness right now. I've said it before. The most toxic sentence in the English language is, I'll be happy when, because you have to choose to be happy now, not when. 
we get disappointed, of course, when we don't get what we want or what we think we want. But we fail to see in those instances that it could, in fact, be a blessing for us because we are too focused on it. The machinations of the world, its energies, its magic, its goodness, and even godliness and divinity has other paths to offer us. But what we need to do is get our goddamn eyes off our feet and look up. So when we ask, the answer is yes, or wait, or something much better is coming your way. For many atheists, for example, there is the thought that why pray since no one is listening? And here's my problem with that. By saying this, we remove ourselves, and in some cases others, of course, who might be listening in a community, of course. We remove ourselves when we say nobody's listening to us. We hear it. We are forced to face ourselves, to give ourselves weight, say with our actions that we matter, that our words matter, that our existence matter. So, of course, someone is listening. I am listening. My higher self is listening. My soul is listening. The parts of me that perhaps when I pray need to hear it out loud is listening. So it's never, ever a time where we're not listening. Or that there's nobody hearing this. Nonsense. Praying, of course, is also an act of patience. And this is where the surrender comes in. And it is a skill. Praying is a skill for observing our surroundings. And it is a vital skill to the creation and the maintenance of that space between our feelings, our cravings, our pain, and our response as opposed to our reaction. It is a breath between our lower self and a higher self. It is a practice and patience that this is what I'm praying, this is what I'm observing, this is what I'm wishing for, this is what I'm thankful for. These are the elements of my prayer that allow me to practice that patience in life. So again, it doesn't matter who it's directed because it's directed at me. It is a supplication. Prayer can also be the way I experience it for myself, my personal self, a beseechment on behalf of the world. Giving voice to something in me that needs to be given voice to that otherwise I would not. Giving voice to people who have not have been given a voice, perhaps even silenced. Prayer is using my power, my sovereignty, my words, my actions to make sure that the invisible becomes visible, that the downtrodden perhaps becomes more upfront, more visible, given importance. It is a way to look at our world and say, okay, what can I be doing to make it better, to change by myself, in community, Prayer is not just, of course, about me. It's about me in connection to the world, in connection to my community, in connection to my family, my loved ones. Lastly, prayer, of course, is also an acknowledgement of wonder. 
It is a recognition of a moment that defies words. It is when I'm moved by something. And that could be the smallest moment or a life-altering experience. Infantismal moments or great beauty, whatever that means to you. One of those great examples is a poem, or at least the poem talks about this, by Leah Goldberg. It's called Lamdeni Elohai. Teach me my, my God, my master, whatever you want to translate it, Elohai to. It goes like this. Teach me to pray and to bless you for all, for the ripening fruit and the fading in fall, for the freedom to breathe and to sense and to hold and to know and to wish and to fly and to fold. Teach me to sing you the songs of your praise for the cycling of moon and the opening of days so that each of my moments forever be new, so that each of my moments will always be true, so that each of my moments I walk here with you. Lamdeni Elohai barech vehitpalel al sod ale kamel al noga pri bashel al achirut hazot lirot lachush linshom ladat liachel lehikashel lamed tziftotai bracha vashir halel בהתחדש זמנך עם בוקר ועם ליל. לבל יהיומי היום כתמול שלשום. לבל יהיומי עלי הרגל. Thank you again for joining us today. I'm Rabbi Iggy out of the Tshuva Center. Join us on Monday for the daily daven. Daven in Yiddish meaning prayer. Uh, 20 minute davening with Rabbi Hanandru Rose who's joining us. Uh, join us for at least a week. Give it a try. We're going to do it for 90 days. I assure you that if you consistently do it from Monday to Friday, you will feel much better on Friday, uh, 20 minutes a day talking about prayer and mysticism and Judaism, um, a meditation for the soul, if you will. So you can find us on the website, tshuvacenter.org. Thank you again. Shabbat Shalom and happy holiday for those who are celebrating Tet in the Lunar New Year. Thank you.